It's such a wonderful thing every time that the little ones lead us in worship, isn't it? It's great to see little ones running around the sanctuary again. This is always a beautiful thing. And not to embarrass you guys too much, but it wasn't that long ago when I was your age, some 20, 30 years ago. (laughs) I remember running around this stage. In fact, back then these guys knew better than to give me a speaking part. I was always the quiet wise man or the quiet shepherd. (laughs) They knew if I got started talking, I wouldn't stop. (laughs) Uh, Funny twist of fade. Funny how that works, right? But I'll tell you what, I love how, especially for this program you guys put together, has so much music in this program. And I I think that there's absolutely a wonderful reason why. Because I love... Personally, I love music. I I don't think anything else in all of God's creation moves the heart the way that music does. And I I think that the reason why there are so many songs in this play is because there's so much singing in the text that this is based off of. I mean, if you go to Luke chapter 2, which as they said is where their readings came from, there's a, there's a lot of singing in that passage. Uh, Luke 2.13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, singing to God, saying glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So singing, the angels leading us in song. And few verses later, the shepherds were singing as well. After they met with Mary in verse 20, it says that, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and, what's that word? Again, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. Oh, hold on, I I missed my part. And the shepherds returned and, and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Lost my place there. So, in point, the angels are singing. The shepherds are singing. Everyone is singing and rejoicing. Why? Why are they singing? Couldn't they have a nice fireside chat instead? Couldn't they have a nice long-form discussion or a Q&A session? No, all those things we know intuitively are insufficient to capture the majesty of this moment. It's, it, it's funny, I have a... Um, At my home office, I have a little plaque on my wall that says, when words fail, music speaks. And that that just so deeply resonates with me. And by your response, I see you agree. There's just something about music that allows us to take our passions and our emotions and just express them at a higher level than we can with just mere words and mere talking. There's an, an energy to it. Kind of like how even in music, a falsetto allows you to sing at a higher register than you can without doing that. It allows you to hit the, this higher area. Song just does that with our praise and our expression of our gratefulness to God. You know, I was told uh, a, a fascinating story a few years ago of, uh, of Francis Collins, the, uh, the director of the National Institute of Health of all places, who happens to be a Christian. And he was actually leading a talk about God's design 
in the human genome, a project that he actually led the mapping of the human genome project. Very brilliant man, very devoted Christian. And at the end of his talk, he did the most fascinating thing. He had these big monitors. It was this big event. So we put some slides up on the wall. And the first slide was of the, the Sistine Chapel, this remarkable work of art, so much complexity, perfect tone, perfect, wonderful work of art, among the best in all that humankind has brought, uh, brought to fruition. And as he lets people sink it in and just take in all the beauty of this majestic work of art, he takes the slide down and he puts another one up to an audible gasp. Because what he put up wasn't something that people made with man's hands. He put up an image of a single strand of human DNA. And in that one picture was more beauty, more complexity, more indescribable beauty than even the best of human artwork could bring together. The people were astonished to see it to really see the comparison that he is making, the beauty of the things that God has done. One person at the lecture even remarked how moved he was to consider that it was because of the image he was viewing that allowed him to view the image in the first place. Think about that for a second. The reason he was able to view the image is because of the content of the image. How moving is that when you stop to think about it? The amazing things God has done. The scientist had made his point. (laughs) And at that point, there was nothing left for him to do but just throw up his arms. And actually, he grabbed his guitar at that moment. I forgot a step in the story. He grabbed his guitar and he led everybody in a worship song at this conference that he was leading after a long, complicated scientific talk. Because at that point, there were no more words. All that was left to do was just throw your arms up in the sky and say how and sing together how great is our God. Because at that point, even amongst our elite and some of the most brilliant minds our time had to offer, words failed and only music could speak to that moment. I imagine it was the same thing for the shepherds that night. I imagine they felt the same thing as they saw the heavens open up and hearing the most glorious message declared by the messengers of God. How wonderful was that? How do you put to words the incarnation? How do you put to words the majesty of God becoming man to dwell with us forever, to become one of us? That words do fail. So, I said this would be a short meditation, so coming to, to a conclusion, especially this time of year, let's let our joy be expressed through singing. Let's let our joy come forth in our songs, in these beautiful carols that we sing because of the truths that they contain. And obviously, I'm not talking about Frosty the Snowman. I'm not talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Fun though they may be, something special happens when we ponder the mystery of the incarnation, that God, again, would become one of us to leave his throne in heaven 
the most exalted of places, to be born, as you guys described to us, in a manger, the most humble of all places, only to live his life, not to be served, but to serve mankind, to give his life as a ransom for many, the Bible tells us, to give his life on the cross, the ultimate act of love, after the ultimate act of humility. The wonder of this ought to fill our hearts. So with one last concluding thought, you know, when having the kids in here and leading us this morning kind of reminds many of us, I know I can speak for myself, of when we were a part of these pageants, when many of us were in churches growing up or being a child during the holidays, during the Christmas season. And you just remember all of the wonder we used to have. The music, the sights, the lights, the traditions. Everything just seems so magical this time of year, did it not? But then as the years went by, we got older and the world got a lot more boring. We're not as filled with the majesty of this season in the same way we used to. And that should be, that's the way it should be. We ought to grow up and be less in awe of things that we've done every year. But the good news is that the wonder of what Jesus has done for us, as we truly contemplate what happened that first Christmas, as we truly contemplate what God has done for us, the love he displayed for us ought to fill us with wonder and joy indescribable even as the years go by. How the wonder, because the wonder of the cross where he gave his life to redeem me of my sins ought to, fulf- ought to fill my heart with a joy that I can express all year round throughout the ages. And that he would do all of this out of love for you and for me. So with that in mind, We join with the shepherds. We join with the angels. What else can we do but join them in lifting up our hands and our hearts and saying glory to God in the highest. Thanks be to God. Amen.